Good morning to each one in Jesus' precious name. <clears throat> what a blessing and a joy it is to be here together with fellow Christians to uh, worship and praise our God together. Truly, we have a lot to rejoice about. I want to welcome all the visitors this morning. Thank you for coming and uh, worshiping together with us. I trust we all can, can turn our hearts to the Lord this morning and that uh, he would have something for each one of us. Before we start, I'd like to, uh, maybe we could all stand, and if I could have maybe two brothers lead out in prayer, that would be a blessing. I'll close then. Yes, Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning in your precious name. Father, we do thank you again just for a, a new day we have to, uh, to serve you, to worship you, to live for you. Father, I thank you so much again for salvation and for that great love that you showed to each one of us. Father, I pray that you would help us to be truly be little Christ Christians here on this earth, that we would be uh, showing forth your, your glory to a lost and dying world, your salvation. Father, would you help us with that? And I pray that you would be with us here this morning as we look at your word. Father, I pray that it would... Uh, it would speak to our hearts and draw us to yourself. Father, that we could be made more into your likeness. God, I just ask for your help here this morning and pray that, uh, that you would come and meet with us here today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> the uh, title this morning I have is The Fruits of the Spirit. And then a subtitle of Love, Joy, and Peace. We'll be looking at those three <clears throat> aspects of the fruits of the Spirit. And uh, I knew I was on this morning, so I've been thinking about it the last probably a couple of weeks. And I read over this, this uh, passage here in Galatians chapter 5 where we had the fruits of the Spirit. And... Just was thinking about that, you know, in reference to my own life. What uh, what fruits am I? What fruits do people see in my life? Is my life <clears throat> being a true representation of God's Spirit and in, in working in my heart to those around me? Um, I was blessed with the messages we heard last Sunday um, about I forget even what the title was that Tyler had, but. Basically, the idea of being little Christ, um, what, uh, how our lives should look to this world around us. There's a, there's a, a list of fruits of the Spirit here in, verse, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. Um, as I started, I was thinking of going over each one, just kind of an overview, but as I got started, uh, it's pretty hard to uh, just quickly go over each one. There's so much in each in each fruit that's listed here, <clears throat> we could make a message on each one. Um, the Bible says, by their fruits you shall know them. And uh, the fruits that we are showing in our lives, people will notice and they pay attention. And uh, I guess that, in, in, at least in my life, in my heart, I want God to... Uh, I want to have that close relationship with him so that my fruits 
the fruits that are being shown in my life are making a difference to those around me and people can see Christ in us and in me. When you see a person that is exhibiting some of these fruits, or at least endeavoring to, you can pick them out quite easily. They, you know, they kind of stand out. If someone's joyful, you know, we enjoy being around someone that's joyful or someone that's filled with God's peace in their lives. You know, that's attractive. Or uh, they have the love, the love of Christ in their hearts. Um, that's something that we are drawn towards if we truly have the uh, what God wants for us here. And also, you know, I know we all, I'm sure we all desire these fruits in our lives, um, but we also have to reckon with the fact that we, we are in the flesh, and there is times that, um, you know, we have to daily put that flesh to, uh, we need to crucify the flesh and all those lust and different things, even actually there's a list here, the works of the flesh, uh, before the fruits of the Spirit, and you know, those things continually want to come up and they want to come out of our lives. But we need to, by God's spirit, we can um, overcome those, those feelings um, and we can show forth the fruits of the spirit. And it's a, it's a growing, you know, and maybe I'll go into that just a little bit here. As we think of fruit, uh, fruit is the natural result of growth. It's something that just happens as, you know, fruit, it turns into fruit as it grows. Um, as we, if we think of an apple, it just starts out with this little bud. And, you know, as time progresses and that little bud is getting its uh, nourishment and from the tree, um, it starts growing, turning into, a, into an apple. And also here we have the phrase of the spirit, and that says, who causes the growth? If now we're comparing it back to the fruits of the Spirit. Um, it's not something that we do in ourselves. We can't somehow muster up the love of God or the uh, joy of the Lord or that peace that passeth all understanding in our lives. We can't just decide one day, you know, this is what we're just going to do this. But it's with God's Spirit inside of us. No amount of human toil or gritty determination can produce spiritual fruit, but the Spirit's influence in a yielded heart can work miracles. Maybe we'll read Galatians chapter 5. We'll start at verse 16 and go down to verse 25. So Galatians 5, starting in verse 16, it says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. <clears throat> if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. 
one little thing that stood out to me in the end of verse 23. It says, against such there is no law. And that's a kind of amazing thought to me. A lot of times, you know, as we, in this world, we have laws and ordinances that, that keep us from doing certain things. Um, sometimes those laws are maybe go against what we, what we want. And, but here it says, if we, these fruits of the Spirit, there is no law against doing as much as you want of these things. That's a blessing. Let's uh, seek after those fruits. So the first one here we have is love. And I kind of did maybe a little bit of just a word study. So I hope you all can, uh, I have some readings. I hope you can follow along with me here. Um, These aren't all my thoughts here, but I'm, yeah, we're going to look at love, joy, and peace. First one, the English word love has a very broad meaning, but the Greek language was very precise. The love which the Holy Spirit manifests in believers is agape. This love is not a feeling but a choice. It is the choice to be kind, to sacrifice, to consider another's needs greater than one's own. And we see that in the example of Christ. He, uh, he, He showed that very well. So the Greek word for this love here is agape. F.B. Myers has the following description of love. Wherever there is true love, there must be giving, and giving to the point of sacrifice. Love is not satisfied with giving trinkets. It must give at the cost of sacrifice. It must give blood, life, and all. And it was so with the love of God. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, Christ also loved and gave himself up, an offering and a sacrifice to God. We are to imitate God's love in Christ, the love that gives, that counts no cost too great, and in sacrificing itself for others, offers all to God and does all for his sake. Such was the love of Jesus, sweet to God as the scent of fields of new-mown grass in June. And this must be our model, not to those who love us but who hate not to those who are pleasant and agreeable, but who repel, not because our natural feelings are excited, but because we will to minister, even to the point of the cross, must our love go out. And every time we thus sacrifice ourselves to another for the sake of the love of God, we enter into some of the meaning of the sacrifice of Calvary, and there is wafted up to God the odor of a sweet smell. There's a whole lot in that that I just read. And hopefully you um, got a little bit out of that. But we have, we have a high calling there to show forth the love of Christ. And obviously we can't do it in ourselves. You know, to love someone that maybe repels against us, that goes against our nature. Or to... Uh, <clears throat> oh, what else does it say here? Um, not to those who are... Okay, not to those who love us, but who hate us. You know, to, to love someone who hates you, is, that's, that's very hard. That's difficult. But Jesus, he loved those who hated him. Just a few verses here. I'm going to go through uh, Philippians 2, verse 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. John 15:13. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. First John 3.11 For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love 
one another. Luke 6.35, But love ye your enemies, and do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great. And ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. 1 John 5.3, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. John 3.16, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We see here again just that agape love that Jesus had for us. If he would have went with his feelings, he would not have came to this earth. If we would, you know, if we would have had that same situation, if we would put ourselves in Jesus' place, <clears throat> he he knew that there would be many that would reject his his sacrifice. He gave his life, but he made a choice that he was going to love unconditionally and sacrificially, expecting nothing in return. Just a quote here, people do not care how much we know until they know how much we care. And that kind of stood out to me. People do not care how much we know until they know how much we care. The next one is joy. The Greek word for joy here is uh, kar- kara. I think that's how you spell it or say it. Joy is the natural reaction to the work of God, whether promised or fulfilled. Joy expresses God's kingdom and his influence on earth. Uh, quote here, the Greek word kara describes a deep and abiding inner rejoicing which was promised to those who abide in Christ. John fifteen eleven. these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. It does not depend on circumstances because it rests in God's sovereign control of all things. And that's very true. If we would um, only have joy, if we if everything was going well, um, that would be a difficult life. So a lot of times things don't always go the way we want them to. More often than not, probably. <clears throat> but this joy... This deep inner joy does not depend on circumstances because it rests in God's sovereign control of all things. Happiness happens, but joy abides. Remember that it takes 72 muscles to frown, but only 14 to smile. I'm not sure why, but just naturally thinking about that, it feels easier to frown. I'm not sure why. It's kind of amazing, 72 to frown and only 14 to smile. The Greek word kara is closely related to charis, which means grace or a gift. Kara is the normal, normal response to charis. We have joy because of God's grace. Possessing joy is a choice. We choose whether to value God's presence, promises, and work in our lives. When we yield to the Spirit... He opens our eyes to God's grace around us and fills us with joy. Romans fifteen thirteen. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. It is only in fellowship with God that we can make our joy complete. There's a few different quotes here. Joy is the byproduct of obedience. Those that look to be happy must first look to be holy. 
Hayden, the great musician, was once asked why his church music was so cheerful, and he replied, When I think upon God, my heart is so full of joy that the notes dance and leap, as it were, from my pen. And since God has given me a cheerful heart, it will be pardoned me that I serve him with a cheerful spirit. And you know, a lot of times for us as humans here on this earth, we look to things of this world to bring us happiness. Um, and I say happiness because happiness is fleeting. Joy, real joy, um, does not depend on things to make us happy. One of those things is money. There was an uh, American millionaire that had plenty of money. But when he was dying, he said, I suppose I'm the most miserable man on earth. Now, we, we would think that's a little strange because you would think if he had a million dollars or how, however much money he had, that he would be very happy and he would have all the joy that a person could ever want. But he said, I'm the most miserable man on this earth. We can see there that money does not bring us true lasting joy. <clears throat> There's also many other things that we could put in there. Just an uh, example here of a person that was filled with joy, the eternal effect of a Christian filled with the joy of the Lord. Many years ago when the great missionary Adoniram Judson was home on furlough, he passed through the city of Stonington, Connecticut. A young boy playing about the, the wars all the time of Judson's arrival was struck by the man's appearance. Never before had he seen such a light on any human face. He ran up the street to a minister to ask if he knew who the stranger was. The minister hurried back with him, but became so absorbed in conversation with Judson that he forgot all about the impatient youngsters standing near him. Many years afterward, that boy, who could never get away from the influence of that wonderful face, became the famous preacher Henry Clay Trumbull. In a book of mem memoirs, he penned a chapter entitled, What a Boy Saw in the Face of Adoniram Judson. That lighted countenance had changed his life. Even as flowers thrive when they bend to the light so shining, radiant faces come to those who constantly turn towards Christ. What a challenge for us as we think of that. May our faces and our countenance show forth the joy of the Lord so that people can see Christ, that it would uh, be an influence to those around us. Okay, the last one here is peace. This Greek word is irene, comes from the verb iro, to join or bind together that which has been separated. Literally pictures the binding or joining together again of that which has been separated or divided and thus setting at one again. It is the opposite of division or dissension. Webster defines peace as a state of tranquility or quiet, freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts or emotions, harmony in personal relations, and then a pact or agreement to end hostilities between those who have been at war or in a state of enmity. I'd like to turn to Philippians 4 and start reading in verse 6, reading accounts here. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 to 9. 
says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. And also here in Ephesians 2, verse 14, it says, For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. I think that's one of my most favorite passages. He hath broken down that middle wall of partition between us, <clears throat> as I was just going over some of these different uh, fruits here just the relation of peace and joy and love it's really amazing to see how they all um, work together somewhat um, we have because of peace you know, in our hearts of that reconciliation between us and God we can now have joy God's joy is in our hearts and also that love um, is what brought Jesus to this earth and reconciled us to himself and saved us. <clears throat> peace does not mean the absence of pain or hurt. It means that in our pain or hurt, we have peace because we know the Lord and we know he is in control. D.L. Moody said this, A great many people are trying to make peace, but that has already been done. God has not left it for us to do. All we have to do is enter into it. So I have uh, just two accounts here I want to read uh, in relation to peace, maybe to uh, maybe help us understand it just a little better. <clears throat> One night, an unexpected storm swept over a passenger ship sailing from England to New York, tossing the ship violently and awakening everyone on board, including the captain's eight-year-old daughter. What's the matter, the frightened child cried. After her mother explained about the storm, she asked, his father on deck? Assured that he was, the little girl snuggled back into her bed and in a few moments was sound asleep. Although the wind still blew and the waves still rolled, she had peace because her father was at the helm. Although the squalls of life strike us, we are assured of our father's presence. He controls our lives and upholds us with his right hand. We may not dodge the storm and the winds may still blow, but the master of wind and wave is on board, and if we trust him, he will either calm the waves or quiet our hearts. We need not nervously pace the deck if the captain of our salvation is at the helm. Christ calls the restless ones to find their rest in him. <clears throat> One other account here. Um, long ago, a man sought the perfect picture of peace. Not finding one that satisfied, he announced a contest to produce this masterpiece. The challenge stirred the imagination of artists everywhere, and paintings arrived from far and wide. Finally, the great day of revelation arrived. The judges uncovered one peaceful scene after another, while the viewers clapped and cheered. The tensions grew. Only two pictures remained veiled. 
As the judge pulled the cover from one, a hush fell over the crowd. A mere smooth lake reflected lacy green birches under the soft blush of the evening sky. Along the grassy shore, a flock of sheep grazed undisturbed. Surely this was the winner. The man with the vision uncovered the second painting himself, and the crowd gasped in surprise. Could this be peace? A tumultuous waterfall cascaded down a rocky precipice. The crowd could almost feel its cold, penetrating spray. Stormy gray clouds threatened to explode with lightning, wind, and rain. In the midst of the thundering noises and bitter chill, a spindly tree clung to the rocks at the edge of the falls. One of its branches reached out in front of the torrential waters as if foolishly seeking to experience its full power. A little bird had built a nest in the elbow of that branch. Content and undisturbed in her stormy surroundings, she rested on her eggs. With her eyes closed and her wings ready to cover her little ones, she manifested peace that transcends all earthly turmoil. <clears throat> so I guess I'll leave you with that. Um, may God help us to show forth those fruits and also that we could have that perfect peace that passeth all understanding. God bless you.